most of the sports I shoot are with or have been in the past with a lot of A-list athletes and you really never know what you're going to get. Some guy could show up and for instance, a guy who's a, you know, knows where he's basketball player is a dunker and you try to get him on set and you want him to dunk and you expect him to dunk. And he's like, I'm not dunking. What are you going to do? Are you going to bitch and moan? Or are you going to be like, I got to figure out how to get this shot. Hey everybody, welcome back to Creative How, the podcast for curious creatives. Um, we've got a great guest for you today, Gary Land, a man we all know and love. That's right, Jed. This guy is a powerhouse in terms of the creative field. Um, what he originally started as a photographer, I would argue is an insult to him today because his mind works in crazy ways. He's just an overall positive guy, just changing the way creative is done, whether it's photography, DP, filmmaking, and owning his own agency. So we hope you get really inspired with this very special creative how Gary land. Everyone, uh, this is an exciting day like they all are, but even more exciting than usual. We get to talk to a guy that we've been working with for, I don't know, a decade plus one of the best known photographers. And now DPs and head of agency and head of production. Uh, he's got a million titles. His name's Gary Land. Um, Sean, what this do you guy's, think? This guy's fearless and, and somebody that I've always looked up to and, and relished the chance to work with any opportunity I'm given. Gary, how the hell are you? Hey, oh my gosh, I'm crying right now. No, you guys are so nice. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's, I'm we so glad to do the, uh, the, the, the sadder version. <laughs> right. He's been in this industry you know I mean, for man, over I'm 75 years. I'm always happy. I'm always happy. He's incredible. No, no, thanks a lot for having me, guys. No, man, we're, we're so psyched. And, and again, like I said, told you earlier, we appreciate your time. You are a guy that is so hard to pin down for good reason. You are just, you won't sit still because I think, uh, like the rest of us, you want to be the master of your craft. Right. And you have all these ideas just free flowing. I don't, I don't know what it's like to be in your brain. I bet it's, simultaneously amazing and probably the scariest place on earth. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, it, it's, it's just fun to watch, man. <laughs> I don't know how you make time in a day to do everything you do. Yeah. I don't know either. I don't think my wife does either. She's always questioning it. So um, I think I'm just wired that way, brother. It's crazy. Like I've, you know, everybody's always trying to get me to explain, Hey man, how do you, how do you wrap your head around this or that? I'm like, dude, I don't even know. Like I don't sleep, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just constantly like, how do I have more fun? How do I, what's the next project I'm working on? And I think honestly, it's probably because of my ADD where it's like, I, I get on one project and then it's like, okay, what am I doing now? What am I doing next? You know, I'm always to the next project and uh, whether that's a blessing or a curse, I don't know, but that's just the way I'm wired. Well, Gary, this isn't really how we th thought about starting, but let me ask you something um, yeah. because, you know, we've worked together a bunch of times and I know I've not been on set every time you've worked with Sean, for example, but everybody always comes back and says how much fun a production with Gary and Smitty and your whole team is. And it's not always like that with other people. Um, sometimes a set can be a real serious place. So why are you like that? Why, how do you keep it? So it's fun. I don't want to say it's light because it's not light. It's, it's actually pretty serious, but it's very fun. How did you become like that? I think, well, the first thing I have to say is I think it's just real. I think that's, I surround myself with people that I like. And I, that's the first thing. Like, so the Smitty's, the Max's, the Jeff's, the, all those guys were with me for a reason because I liked hanging around them. They added a level of fun, even though they're highly competent. 
I just liked being around them. They made things feel fun because honestly, a shoot sometimes is very serious. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, you got talent on there that's you never know what they're going to be like. You've got agency, creative people that you have to. It's there's a lot. There's a lot of it's a juggling act sometimes because I have to then I have to instantly see a room, look at who's in it. How am I going to? act today? Who am I going to be my jolly self? Do I have to be more serious today? Am I going to try to bro down with somebody? So I think there's part of that, that I'm just that I'm a salesman and, and whether it's not like I try to be, that's just who I am. And, um, and to me, it's like, I'm not gonna say it's all about having fun, but really at the end of the day, we're taking pictures or we're shooting content. And if you're not having fun, then your client, the person you're shooting or filming is not going to be having fun. And that's my thought on that. And just from a, as a perspective from a, from a creative director, you know, who's, who's work, you know, on that end, I mean, you did, it, it couldn't be a more collaborative set. Um, and I think part of the reason why you just gave, you know, your approach and your team's demeanor and everything, but um, you never feel like you're, you're not part of the process and, and you don't hash it out. I mean, cause I think you guys are very open when you guys don't have the answers and you're just trying to find it. And those are honestly some of the cooler moments, man. I go back to a shoot we did where we, we scouted and we didn't even poke our head through the ice rink and see the, the Zamboni out there. And we were like, holy shit, we need an insert here. This Zamboni thing is going badass. So then you kind of like splintered off a little like team and it was just totally off yeah. the fly. And, that, that's I, and every was, day for me. And it's for me when I watch that spot, like I always remember that's probably my favorite scene just because of how <laughs> it came together. And just cause I knew you guys were like, you made it happen. It wasn't part of the shoot day plan much probably to shitty um, spinnies or <laughs> chagrin. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, you know, we made it work and you guys made it work. So that, that that's just is a great example of the, again, collaboration, but hearing it out and being open to, to approaches. Right. I think honestly, I just, that just happened. I just shot a Alan Iverson commercial the other day for a new shoe that Reebok has coming out. And it was, you know, me having him for two days for eight hours a day. And I know that he may not even show up, you know, like yeah. dealing with Alan, but as we're there waiting for him and we had a very tight scripted, you know, storyboards that we were working on. I was like, let me just go down the street. I'm gonna walk while we're waiting. I'm gonna walk down the street because I know in my mind I'm thinking of the edit and I need some other stuff. I need other stuff because there's, a, I know the, I know the VO, I know what we're going to have to do. So I found this little like porched off area, looked like a, you know, a neighborhood. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do a scene here. He's going to be walking. He's going to greet, pound out with his boys. I need this. I need that. I go to Smitty. I'm like, Smitty over here. I found a shot. He goes and make, he goes and makes it happen. And now I just wrapped the edit tonight. If I didn't have that shot, I'd, I'd be in a lot of, I'd be in, in, in trouble. So it gets me thinking like, well, holy cow, I didn't, I didn't even board that, but it was an extra shot. But these things happen all the time on my own. Um, I always have to keep an open mind. I always have to say, hey guys, let's board it. It looks great. We get to sign off. But when we're there, I'm going to see stuff and I'm going to want to shoot it and let's do it because I'd rather have the coverage. I'd rather be able to like say when we're editing something, I don't need that, but it's good to have. Yeah. This is Interesting because, you know, we've told you about all about what this podcast is and it's trying to teach people um, about other people's crafts and processes and things like that. And I was thinking about how there have been occasions when I've worked with you and I've said, you know, like, what if we did this? Right. And you go, OK. And the thing about it is, is that not everyone says that they're like, fuck that. It's going to take two hours and we don't even know if it's going to matter. So if you could think back on your career. And obviously I know part of this is personality based, but how did you learn to, um, 
be collaborative or be okay with taking the risks of shooting something on the fly like you just described? I think I've always, well, you know what? I think it is, honestly, corporate experience. I think, which is weird, all my days at Reebok, I learned so much. I had to be accountable every day and I had to make shit that wasn't looking that cool, cool. I had to like make Reebok shoes. No offense, Reebok, I love you. Some products that weren't that great, I had to make them look great. I had to find ways to make things look great. Even back in my snowboarding days, come on, I was shooting on the East Coast, trying to compete with West Coast photographers, trying to make the East Coast look rad. And I'm like, Gritting fisheye lenses. I'm shooting lower. I'm trying to make looks, things look bigger. And then we decided to take it to the street and jump off buildings and slide handrails and weld freaking, <laughs> you know, I tried to, I always tried to be, to be better. I don't want to jump off of track, but I think, I think a lot of that stuff is, you know, it's ingrained in me. I mean, it's not, everybody is not like that. Trust right. me. I know a lot of people and they're not like that, but, uh, it's been beneficial to me, I think. Um, and it's in the collaborative process. How, I don't know all the answers. I mean, we've worked together before and, and you can come to me and you've had great ideas. You're super creative. I mean, you guys both, Sean, we've had plenty of experiences where, hey, this will be cool. Let's do this or let's set up this shot. And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. Because I don't have all the answers. Like I love to collaborate because you know what? It's like a team, right? You have a DP. I don't care. You talk about any of the greatest directors. Would they be the greatest directors if they have the greatest crew working with them? No. Right. And I've, and don't, don't get me wrong, like being a photographer is a lot different because a photographer, you kind of have to be like, okay, I'm on it. I got to shoot everything. I'm, I'm kind of in control of the lighting. When you start being a director or a DP, man, there's a lot of ma- your focus puller to your lighting guy, your grip, your gaffer, your <laughs> food. I mean, the, the catering, everything's got to line up. You know what I mean? And, and, and the ADs are super important. There's a lot more you have to trust in. And I think it's like having that great team, like we talked about, it's a pretty big percentage of success. Well, I think uh, it is. And and that you actually bring me to a really good question. What, what do I call you right now? What do you prefer to go by our photographer, DP? Director? I mean, because and what I'm getting it's changing at, every day. it's yeah. changing every day. I mean, I'm a, a creative a creator. I mean, I, I think it's a DP director because yeah. a DP is a director of photography. I'm a photographer. A photographer tells stories through stills and a DP tells through or director tells stories through motion. And now I'm becoming both. So I don't really don't care, <laughs> but it's a hell of a lot of fun and they're very different, but very similar. It's, it's insane. Honestly. Like uh, we talked about, and, and sometimes our audience probably knows by now that, you know, we try to keep it more modern day with everybody. Everybody here has uh-huh. a really good origin story. You have a, an amazing origin story. Um, so we do definitely want to, you know, tell the audience or, or, or tell that story a little bit. Yeah. Um, but maybe probably the quick version. So we get to modern day, um, you know, and then touch on like where you think you really made a name for yourself. Yeah. I mean, like I started, you know, I started out in Virginia beach shooting my friends, skateboarding and surfing, right. Got a job at a surf shop. Snow. I, I was introduced to snowboarding super early when it was in its early phases. And I got the bug. I'm like, I'm shutting down my doors. Uh, broke up with my girlfriend and moved to Vermont. Became friends with five snowboarders that just Killington just allowed snowboarding. So I was part of the original six snowboarders at Killington. And I had, you know, a little film camera that I freaking bought from a pawn shop and I took it there and I just started documenting snowboarding at our, at a, you know, early age within, you know, all the years I've spent, you know, shooting snowboarding, which was an amazing career for a lot of the magazines and stuff. I, um, 
I found myself needing a job and got a job at Reebok to support my family. And uh, even though I was only managing assets at the time, I wasn't really a photographer. I somehow was able to convince people that, you know, I was much more than a guy managing a library of data, you know, and um, you were hustling. I was hustling, but at the same time, I also faced the biggest rejection I've ever had in my life um, at Reebok. I remember having a portfolio of some of the best snowboarding, surfing, skating stuff that I thought was epic and bring it into this, into our CEO or into our chief marketing officer's office. And, you know, with a kind of a chip on my shoulder, like, yeah, here you go, buddy, you know, check it out. <laughs> You're welcome. He knew, he knew I wanted to shoot and he, and he just flipped through it. Like it was a shitty magazine. Like he could care less about <sighs> and I got to the end. And he was like, is that it? I was like, um, <laughs> yeah. And he was like, well, there's really no light. Where's the people? Where's the, and it really like, I was Damn. super crushed, but at the same time, I had to use that. I, I could either say, screw it, I'm not shooting anymore, or like, okay, yeah, let me show you. So long story short, I ended up shooting Alan Iverson behind the scenes. I had no business even being there with a camera, but I ended up getting some cool shots. And the CEO of the company saw, saw prints that I had printed in my darkroom and hung up in my cube and saw them. I like, like ripped them off my wall while I was at lunch and then called me into her office. And she, I thought I was going to be fired. Yep. Gary, can you come to my office? You know, I'm like, oh, okay. And she was like, did you take these? And I said, yeah, you know, and she found out how I had done it, thought it was a genius and asked if she could use them for an ad. And I'm like, sure. And next thing I know, they were on Rolling Stone. There was black and whites of Rolling Stone. Wow. And the photographer that they had paid, however, who knows how much money, he screwed up because you know, he had some black floppies and stuff in the frame and they, this was before retouching they had a Cytex stuff out and they didn't even want to do that. So they didn't even use the guy's stuff. They used mine, which was like a roll of Tri-X from a Pentax K1000. I mean, are you kidding me? So, so did you ever, uh, do you remember the name of that photographer and is he still I around? I do. I do. And he's still around. I'm definitely not going to say his name. All right. He knows what he knows what's happening. He knows what's up, right? Famous photographer at the time, and like the funny thing is, I was watching him, and he was yelling at everybody. One of his packs blew up. He's swearing. Like it was just a bad. It, that was my first, honestly, first experience of a real big production. The anti Gary. It, it was bad. I was like, oh my god, I don't ever want to experience that. Well, that's maybe where you learned how to like the the type of crew and the type of set you wanted to run. You think? Like, I think so. I mean, I don't know if that was the the, the, the turning point, but. I just want to have fun. I mean, and like, and it's like, I don't, you can't take yourself so serious all the time. I think I, my first, the first time I can ever remember it being an issue was I was doing a shoot. It was a big shoot for Reebok, but it was through an agency and we were shooting Baron Davis in the game and we we're in, you know, LA and I had my crew that I've had since day one there. And I remember after we did the shoot, it was very successful and the guy, the creative guy was like, hey, we want you to come to dinner tonight. It's going to be awesome. We're going to this fancy, like whatever, Joe Stonecraft, I where we were. I think it was like Miami. And he's like, yeah, we want you to come. Uh, yeah, but leave your, your, your assistants can't come. It's just you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, I got to go with my assistants. They're the ones who did all the work. They, they busted their asses today. And I remember him looking at me like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And, and my, my crew was behind me and they were just like, wow. yeah, I remember. I remember them saying after that, so I didn't go to dinner. I went with my own guys. We ate some tacos somewhere, but I remember going, they were like, dude, that was actually pretty cool that you just did that. No one's ever done that for us. And the fact was those, that was in, some of them weren't even my full-time crew, but it just felt cheesy. Like, I'm like, dude, really? Like who? 
and I, and I, and I felt like that, that might've been one of the turning points where I'm like, I don't ever want my crew to feel like I'm above them. And that is an amazing story because it's a small industry, you know, in the reality and, and word probably made its way around. You got a, a rep yeah, and, and I, probably some people that are willing to lay down their lives for you now after that episode was just pretty amazing. That's, that's yeah. a really rad story. Um, so I was going to say like, so you shot Alan and you know, over the years, that's across how many years? Uh, I spent probably eight years. Um, I was his kind of photographer from Reebok. They were just like, Hey, look, Gary loves, Alan loves Gary. I mean, it was one of the, we had an instant bond. As soon as I saw him, it was just this weird instant bond. And that's happened across 50 cent was the same exact thing. I must've shot him 50, <laughs> 50. I must've <laughs> shot him a lot of times. And there's a great story there because um, Chris Lighty, who managed yeah. 50 cent who's now dead. Yeah. He thought I was getting too close to 50 and they stopped using me. And that, I was told that wow. because I had a better relationship with 50 than he did. Like 50 mm-hmm. gave me his dog. Like I had his dog his Jack Russell Terrier gave me that. Like, <laughs> and even to this day, I still get a text here or there from him, but we just had a special relationship probably. And I think if I really think about it. I think it's because I never abused the time I had with these guys. I was like, look, I know we have to get it done, but let's, if I got it, we're moving on. And I respect you for that. You know, I respect your time. I'm going to get it. And then we're going to move on. And if I can get you out of here early, I'm going to do that. So Gary, with, with AI in particular um, and other athletes, if you want to mention them, um, have you had sort of like creative, um, collaboration with the talent has that happened or is is that something it's just like the way you treat someone and the golden rule and all that stuff is why it works out <laughs> i mean there have been cases where i've worked with people and they're like you know i they have their own ideas and i surely i'm like yeah let's do it i mean the one i mean mostly it's they kind of just want to get it over with yeah, especially yeah. the famous famous guys you know whatever your lebrons and people they just like yeah let's we're, let's get it done. Yep. Hey, do you want to see this? No, you know, I'm good. You know, you get that a lot, but I'll tell you a quick funny one. I shot Jeff Bridges for uh, Squarespace <laughs> and he's that. like, oh, yeah, man. dude, it was like in a garage. And then you got this guy, the dude sitting in this leather chair and like, you know, we're shooting Hasselblad, the capture station to the monitor. And he's like, Hey Gary, uh, Gary, what if I did this? And he kind of puts his hand to his chin and he looks up all stoic. I'm like, yeah, Jeff. Yeah. And I'm shooting. He's like, Gary, how about, <laughs> Gary, how about if I do this? <laughs> but it was like such a rare moment that really never happens. Um, that was one good moment. And then Roger Clemens basically dragging me up to the top of a building in New York City in his pinstripes and cleats and pulled himself up onto a generator. And I'm like following him with a camera. It's like hassle with my freaking Mamiya RZ and his agents like this little guy. Oh my God, Roger. Oh my God, get down. What are you doing? And I'm like, Gary, he's like, come on, Gary, this is great. And I mean, not lying to you. I go up there. It's before digital. He's in pinstripes. And it's like all of the New York City skyline behind him, the New Yorker Hotel. You see all these beautiful buildings, like 20-something stories up. And I remember breaking out the RZ with a Polaroid back. And we frame up a shot of him just in his pose. And I, and I, and I cook it under my arm. And I show it to him. And he's like, damn, man. And he flips it down to his agent. And he's like, pipe down. And then the agent, he's <laughs> like, I'm giving you 10 minutes, you know, and that was a really special moment because I would have never have asked Roger to climb up on top of this thing, but he, he just wanted to do it so bad. 
So like that was so I'll never forget that. And that's a much longer story. Yeah. But to get to the roots of it, that was a pretty special moment. But that's also the point of like back to the collaboration on your set. It doesn't have to be the creative director or the agency. It can be the athlete who has right. big ideas too. We we work with plenty of that athletes on our end. I know Bryce Harper really likes to dig into photography and, and creative. Yeah. And, um, and he has good ideas. Like that's the thing. Like you, it's, it's easy to maybe dismiss some of these guys like, oh, they're, you know, meatheads or, or whatever, you know, whatever stereotype you want to play on them. But they're, they're high functioning individuals in a lot of ways, not just physically. So right. you, you oh, need to kind of hear them out. And a lot of times you're going to be better for it. Mm-hmm. So Gary, in terms of uh, what was next, you know, so you obviously um, it was, I would say a meteoric rise at Reebok. And then um, I remember when we first started um, thinking about working with you years ago, it was the Gary land look. You know? <laughs> so like the G sauce. Yeah. Talk about uh, wow. after Reebok and then get into the, yeah. the, also the sort of motion content that you're now um, doing, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny that look, <clears throat> I mean, I remember, uh, you know, this is kind of back in the Sasha Waldman, Jim Fiskus era of, Fiskus. of basically, you know, taking an image, especially with dynamic range. That's when cameras with dynamic range really just came out. So there was a lot of latitude for the file. Like you could literally open up a file or crunch a file. You could really play with it. And I, you know, me being a, a designer, like a guy that knows the computer and Photoshop, you know, I was beta testing for Photoshop back in its early stages I really took advantage of that and I started to play with looks. And honestly, when I first was doing it, I was like, it was kind of gimmicky. It's like creating a rock poster on your computer and like printing it. It was like, hey, let me cut this out and cut this out and cut this out and I'll put it all together. Oh, that's awesome. You know, and you get all excited about it. And then I remember I was sitting on my desk one day and I saw something that Sasha Waldman had done and it was literally the same type of stuff because I didn't come up with that. It wasn't like I didn't come up with it. I just was like, oh my God, people are getting paid for this shit. Like, yeah, I can really like, let me like really R and D this and like, let me get my spin on it. And that's when I really started kind of like, I was, I would purposefully shoot things underexposed and then I would bring them into post and I would open them up. I would open up the shadows on crunch things. I take the clarity up. I would open up the shadows and I would take the highlights and I tweak them. And it just gave it this crazy gritty, like, I can't explain it. Like it had a really special gritty kind of stylized look. And, um, and then it was like, I don't know. I mean, that was years. I mean, honestly, Coca-Cola bit into that, like a bunch of different people bit into that. And like, I got over it really quickly, but I was like right. making money from it. So I'm like, all right, Hey, I'm let's go, let's do this. And, uh, but me being a retoucher and a designer and all that kind of stuff, I've created my own brushes and I, I love that stuff. So I feel like I remember early days of Reebok I'm sorry, early days of Under Armour, you guys would like, they would send guys over, hey, dude, just see what he's doing. Like, what the hell is he doing there? Like, look at it like, wait, because I used to always retouch on set. All right, yeah, we just shot this. Let me show you something. I put it together. I remember like guys over my shoulder going, how did you do that? What are you doing here? And like, you know what? Could I have easily been like, don't look, it's proprietary. You know, I'm like, like, whatever, man. It's, people are going to find out. And uh, It's funny you brought up Jim's Fiscus because I remember literally remember doing several tutorials to get the Jim Fiscus look. Yeah. At yep. uh, and personally, let me ask you a very, very personal question. Yeah, of course. Clarity plus 30 or plus 40. It's so funny. It's 30 is really great. The great thing. I know I would dude. honestly, I've done stuff like nineties. 
I was going up in the night. Now you're just talking crazy, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it just depends on the file. Like black and white stuff looks incredible with clarity. And now you got, um, there, even the new versions of the CC 19, there's some really cool stuff. D Hayes is really beautiful. That has some great stuff in it. I'm a camera raw buff. Like everybody's like Lightroom and man, I like all my files get treated in camera raw. Really? Oh yeah. And I'll get a basic look out of camera raw. And then I'll bring it in and I'll add embellishments. I'll add color and all those other things to it. But like camera raw is my go-to. It always has been. And it's gotten so much better. Wow. So everybody, that was a little bit of a bonus preview yeah. straight of how. Well, I was going to say. Wow. Camera raw. Are you, do you feel like you're, are you speaking of all the uh, technical jargon? You know, I think that we'll have various levels of listeners here in terms of how much experience yeah. they have with with photography and uh, shooting and production, et cetera. Are you all self-trained or did you take courses at some point or have you had mentors, et cetera? Like how have you learned? Um, I would say really early days, I took a three-day Photoshop class by a guy named Ben Wilmore. And I was like at a Holiday Inn in like, Nebraska. And like, I was following this guy. He was a genius. And it was like, like when Photoshop three was out and, uh, oh my God, the stuff I learned in that three day course just paved the way for me to go nuts. I mean, but the crazy thing is it's grown so much Photoshop with smart objects, obviously, and all these other things they it's, it's, I mean, it's not nuke or flame or any of these motion programs, but for a, for a still, you know, yeah. uh, retouching program. It's, there's a lot of things you need to do in there. And I always like judge a great retoucher, not by necessarily the look, but the hierarchy and the organization of the layers. And like, I was not a good guy. Like, I, I could get to it. I could, I can make it look pretty, but when you go back and you look at shit, they're like, Oh my God. Like, you know, it's like the ingredients were there. I was just messy. So I had to find, you know, and funny thing is I've taught a lot of guys. I've, you know, people have, you know, I've mentored a lot of people who are now way better than I am. But like, that's the one thing I encourage them to do is seek out someone and learn the best way to, to treat your files and layers and stuff. So, yeah. Do you think there's any photographers now that don't do that? I think I do. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you mean that don't retouch? Yeah. That I mean that aren't, aren't kind of immersing themselves into their own retouching and do they think they kind of leave it go and let somebody do they it? They should. I mean, it's part yeah. of the deal now. Right. I mean, if you're not doing that, you're, it's not fair to yourself. Right. Because what it is, it's a dark room. I mean, you really, I mean, you're, you're, you have a file. If you think about the early days, right? You have an expo, you have a box with a lens and exposure. You have to figure out with available or artificial light and you're making that exposure. But man, in the dark room, there's so much things you can do with dodge and burn or like, you know, the processing where you can push or pull the process to get certain looks or that's what Photoshop basically was intended to be. It's a digital dark room mm -hmm. and it's incredible. And I, I would shit talk Photoshop <clears throat> to death, you know, um, back when in its early days, because I didn't think it was fair. I thought it was taken away from the fine art aspect of photography, even though artists would say photography wasn't a fine art. I would fight that to death because we did work for to create a print or to create an image. But honestly, now I'm the biggest advocate for it because I see the capabilities are just endless, so, and, and you, you, you moved off that, that, uh, HDR look, that high clarity look. Yeah. 
um, yeah. pretty fast, like you said, but you know, I guess people wanted to keep dragging you back into it because you did it so well. And then it's, it's, it is what it is. And it paid some bills and probably freed you up to hone other skills and other formats and styles of photography. What, what, where did you kind of run to next in terms of aesthetic? I think, I think what it was, was let's call it the high HDR look. I did that for a while and then I didn't just quit at cold Turkey. What I tried to do was I would have conversations with clients. They would call me, they'd want that look. And I'd say, well, God, you know, they're like, what do you think, Gary? And I'd be like, well, you know what? Here's what I think. Let's take that look that you like so much, but let's merge it with natural editorial vibe and just merge the two. So you have still that stylized look, but it doesn't feel so forced. Like for instance, Back in the day with the HDR look, you would take a plate of your foreground subject, whatever it would be, and then your background subject would also be equally as sharp as your foreground subject. You merge it together like there was no depth. Right. Even though there was depth, it would just be like, you know, your eye wouldn't have a place to look because it, everything was sharp. So I said, let's start. Let's keep the HDR look kind of and make that be like, let's make that your subject. And then let's dial it back for the background, you know, and create this obviously you merge it to where there's two that live together. And I did that for a while. And now I'm on more editorial. I've been on editorial now, kind of more just really enhancing natural light, you know, utilizing, you know, uh, dirty, like I love dirty shooting. So embracing lens flares, embracing, mm -hmm. you know, a camera shake or this or that. I think those things are obviously they're a style and they're, you know, they're things that are current and they're, but I mean, everything changes, right? Yeah. I'm sure it's going to go back to HDR at some point or it's going to, everything changes. So would you say uh, you're doing less compositing overall then? Too? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all in camera as much, all as much practical as you can. Yeah. Figure. In camera, a lot of natural light. Um, for the most part, I mean, I am doing, still doing studio stuff with strobe, but it's instead of it being dual edge light and like very sporty, it's like, okay, one light source and negative on one side, one light source um, let's make it feel real, but yet beautiful, you know, like the lighting has still got to have a nice shape to it. And you want them. And, and then think again, guys, we're trying to show off products. So sometimes the products don't look good in natural light. You need an enhancement. Hey, I'm trying to sell yep. a shirt. I'm trying to sell a shoe. And I have to always keep that in mind. Um, I'm product first. I'm a product first guy because I came from a company. I understand it means to be corporate and we have to sell in, sell through product. That's what it's all about. Yeah, Gary. So that brings up a great point. I know that you've worked in a lot of across a lot of industries, but you do have a lot of um, sports in your background. So I guess it's a double part question. Yeah. Why is that? Why haven't you sort of like kind of like gone <laughs> in a different direction? And also, what is it? Um, what is what is so special and difficult about shooting athletes? Wow, that's a loaded question. I mean, the why. I think it's one because I love sports. I mean, I play hockey, I play basketball, I played soccer, I played, you know, I, I, you know, it's, I like sports a lot. I can relate to sports. Um, there's an action element to it. I mean, we see these sports happening in real time and they're so fast that we lose sight of these special moments that happen during the impact process or, uh, or a striking process. Or when something major happens, we t it just goes by so fast that we can't really take a second to appreciate the moment of impact. And I feel like sports was fun to do that with. And um, you know what? Everybody gets into a niche or they have a niche. I guess that sports wasn't, was a niche, but I don't, that's, I'm not defined by sports. I don't want to be defined by sports. I like shooting sports, but um, 
There are a lot of challenges. I mean, obviously, most of the sports I shoot are with or have been in the past with a lot of A-list athletes, and you really never know what you're going to get. Some guy could show up and, for instance, a guy who's a you know, notorious basketball player who's a dunker, and you try to get him on set and you want him to dunk, and you expect him to dunk, and he's like, I'm not dunking. What are you going to do? Are you going to bitch and moan, or are you going to be like, i got to figure out how to get this shot? you got to figure out how to get the shot. Um, and then it's also you know, working for Bauer. And I'm like, okay, here's, the, 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 here's what we want you to do. We've got Steven Stamkos, and we have a new stick, the Supreme S, and we need to show the impact of the puck with the flex of the stick, read the stick, and everything's got to be tack sharp. Well, that sounds, okay, yeah, we can do that. When you get on ice and you got everything set up, you got to have a better have a good understanding of mechanics and how that all works. Because, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm pretty good at that. Like, I'm really good at getting that one shot. Because think about it, a lot of people go in with that process. And this is for these people. These are for you photographers out there that are shooting sports stuff. I'm going to give you a tip, okay? Because a lot of people do this. You know, everybody's going to grab, you know, whatever. Uh, You're going to grab a Canon 1DX and you're going to shoot something. You're going to burst off 15 frames a second hoping to get that one shot. Well, it doesn't work, especially if you're trying to get the epic part. What you have to do is do one shot. And you got to time it to where you get the moment of impact. And that's how you get better at it. Wow. You know, I do it. Yeah. And that's, that's the, honestly, the secret is if you're looking for something, the greatest shot, don't shoot burst shots. You want to just say, okay, I, this is the epic shot that I want to get. You wait for the moment and you just capture that one moment. Cause that one moment is going to be more powerful than the 16 moments in between. Not to say that there's not going to be a good moment in between the 16, but definitely take the time and get that one shot that you really want to get. That's crazy because I've seen you do that and I've seen also others do it the other way. And I remember we were on the at Terrence Ferguson shoot and you, you did oh, that. Yeah. It was like you just kept moving inch by inch one side or the other and then standing up or squatting. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like, are we going to get this? And and you got I it. I looked like he was, you know, 15 feet in the air. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah but that's being familiar with the sport, the athlete, the subject matter and anticipation. And that, that is that's a, that is, I wouldn't say that's intuitive. I would say that, that, yeah. that, that comes from probably yeah. trying a lot and failing and, and, but having the courage to kind of know you'll get it. Shooting the burst is like, Oh going yeah. yeah. To catch like fish. You're, gotcha. you're hoping yeah. you're getting it. You're just trying to grab all of it and you may, yeah, may use the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. You know, it's funny, Jed, you were just talking about the Terrence Ferguson shoot. And this is a great example of keeping your eyes open and watching for shit to happen. Cause I don't know if you remember this. We're in that gym. We're in Miami. And I remember looking out the window yeah. and the light was crazy shooting down from the bridge onto the court. And I was like, dude, we got to get him to run down there and just dunk on that court. And I, I remember you like, remember hey, dude, that. go. And you were like, go for it. I said, I told, I called him over. Hey, Terrence, look at that down there. Hey, can you go dunk on that? Yeah, I got it. He goes down, spends five minutes. That shot became like the macro cover of, Adage, I won an award for it. I think you guys used it. And it was like a couple shots through a window, natural light, and it looked awesome. Yeah. You know, crazy. and it wasn't even scripted. It was just kind of an extra shot. But I, that, I'm sorry I went there, but I just like those are fun moments that like you never know. You never know what you're going to see or what's going to come up. No, that was awesome. And so was the Cuban coffee there. That was that, oh, that lady who's making the little Cuban coffees. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, those are great. Sorry, that was a tangent. Great if uh, drink Cuban coffee. Uh, <laughs> coffee is important. That's yeah. my drug. So where are you at now, man? Like in terms of influences and where, where do you think the next place you're trying to get to is? Movies. 
Movies. Movies, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's really funny, man. Um, it, this, this podcast has come at a really interesting time in my life because, man, this is breaking news. A lot of people don't know this, but for the first time, I literally have no employees uh, as far as in my photography goes. I just let go of Max and Jeff. Yeah, crazy. Wow. So I've had a crew for a very long time. And I'm going to tell you why. I didn't let them go because they did a bad job because they didn't. They're a part of my crew. But at the same time, I have a responsibility as a photographer, as a DP, to mentor the people that work for me. And these guys were super highly competent dudes who could easily go on their own and easily make twice, three times the money that they're making. But they're very comfortable. They love working for me. We have a blast. And I saw that that could be a problem. And that's a really tough thing for me. Honestly, I warned them and I told them, guys, get your portfolios ready. Do this and that. I, you're, you don't want to be an old man working for me. And I don't need that on my conscience to be like, dude, you guys, you're, one day are going to wake up and go, I've worked my whole life for Gary Lamb, but what do I have to show for myself? And I felt bad for that. So I decided to say, guys, I'm going to give you a month. You need to go out and do this. I'll continue to hire you on a freelance basis if I need you. But I want um, this is a kick in your ass to go out and do better things. Like don't live for me, live for yourself. That's really and, that's really great, man. I mean, like, yeah, it was hard. At first it, probably hard hurts. Hurts. it probably hurts, and but then I mean, once they kind of get over the initial shock, they're like, man, this guy's really got looking out for me in a way. Yeah, um, and nurturing that's in been a way great. that not a lot of bosses do, dude. So no. kudos to it's you. Been, and, yeah, it's been a week. It's been a week, and like. I've talked to them and they're doing really well. And, um, you know, and I needed to do it. It's good. It was good for me too. Cause there's a lot of changes you have to make. The, everything's changing right now. And, you know, I'm directing a lot and, um, you know, I'm probably directing more than I'm shooting, uh, stills, but honestly it's, it's kind of a combination of both. Uh, it's but, funny because, uh, and I'm going to tell you a little exchange Jed and I had today and, and I don't <laughs> want you to get offended, but no, no. Uh, the reason I was nagging you with all of these Skype info was because <laughs> Jen made the comment that I don't know if Gary can do it without a producer. You got to be the producer. <laughs> Dude, you're so right. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, this is, I suspected that. So I woke yeah. up, my eyes opened at <laughs> five thirty this morning going, I got to text Gary. <laughs> but you know what? Dude, that's really funny, Jay, because you're spot on, right? Because honestly, I feel like I've been spoiled for many, many years. I've had a lot of people doing a lot of things for me. And like, I was the guy back in the day, I did everything myself, printing. Yeah. I mean, it was my own portfolios and I got really relaxed having other guys do stuff for me, you know? And like, and, and I mean like the little stuff, I still have my creative, you know, wants and desires and, 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 and ideals behind things. But at the same time, you know, all the little stuff in the shop, like, you know, oh, we got to prepare a, a, an ad for, you know, ad edge or for workbook or for, you know what I mean? Like, get pictures out to this person and that person. I am challenging myself to do more of that work, but also I've got other young guys that work for me that are just, you know, my son works here now. He's an amazing editor. I give him stuff to do. It's just, it's time for the change. You know what yeah. I mean? Absolutely. So, um, one of the things that we want to talk about Gary is, is process and new business and pitches. And I think maybe we could actually think about it within the realm of what you just said. You know, you did mention movies but I also think that you're, you know, um, more recently doing all kinds of video work. So what is your sort of process from, uh, maybe trying to get new business or fielding a creative brief? And then, you know, from there on, how does it fly? Right. Well, as you know, we started, I started an agency, uh, convoy, 
with a couple guys and it's been going well. We've been pitching business. Um, you know, we've won some, we've lost some just like the normal process. Um, the pitching process to me starts with, you know, obviously when let's just talk about not people coming to me, asking me to pitch you know, business, but it's kind of me going, Hey, I want to really reach out to this company and let's just give them something to think about whether it's like, Hey, we had a really great idea for this product. And you know what? We know we're not going to get it, but at the same time, they're going to know your name and they're going to say, man, this guy really tried. Like for instance, I can throw out, um, uh, Sig Sauer. Uh, they, they actually came to us, um, through a friend and we're like, Hey, we heard you guys are you know doing some design work, some CG work. We have this electroscope, this new scope is going to revolutionaries hunting and yada, yada, yada. Can you come up with some ideas for how to display this in store and a commercial? So I met with my team. Again, team is huge. Guys that are strategists and people that are CG artists and editors and just my right-hand men that just have great ideas. And we all sit down together and we'll come up with a list of things, right? Like, okay, what is it that these people are trying to tell? What are they trying to sell? Who is a market? Who are they trying to reach? Is, you know, we have to take in and listen to what the client is trying to say. I know I'm jumping because I did mention, you know, when you're trying to go out and pitch random business, that's not coming to you, but that particular one that came to us. So I think the first thing is to listen to hear the, what, what they're at, what they ask is, and then make sure when you deliver your first round that the ask is in there and then let them come back to you and listen to the feedback and just keep going at it. It's a, it's a process. And most of these people understand it's a process. You're, you may not get it on the first time. Right. Um, but I mean, again, I'm new to this too. Like I, I, you know, I have an agency and I'm, I'm, I'm a creative partner in that agency, but look, if I'm not learning something every day, what uh, it, it's a, it's a waste, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. How yeah. does, how does that work with the agency? It's interesting because you're also, you have the DPing and, and photography yeah. side. Yeah. Are you the Don Draper? They just call in as like a <laughs> hammer. Like, yeah, like, I think so. I come mean, in for the pitch. It, it is weird, right? I mean, because we do have multiple directors and as the agents, you know, it's so funny, right? You have me being a DP director. So let's call it just Gary Land as a one business. I have Trident Post Productions as another business. GLP is the production company. And now Convoy is the agency. It's very, it's taxing. It's a lot of work. I'm like here from super morning, early in the morning to late at night. It's a lot of stress, but it can be also very rewarding. Um, but like, yeah, there's also weird things, right? Like, okay, well, I'm, I'm this DP director. Do I expect to get hired on every job that comes through? Absolutely not. And, I, you know, do I expect to be, you know, when our agency needs to hire out a new production company or do we have to search out other directors that were within our folds? Absolutely. I know that's part of the deal. We have to do that. So, you know, and again, it's all small. Like, I don't, I like the idea of boutique. I like the idea of not having a deal with a giant consortium of like people that are just going to water things down too many cooks. Like I'm right. trying to offer up a simple solution underneath one roof and I'm not going to win them all. I'm, I'm going to get a few bites here and there, but I think the whole thing is building relationships. And it goes back to even like we talked about earlier with my photography, you build relationships with guys. Do we've had so much fun together? Like you guys, I love you both. You guys are amazing guys. Honestly, I remember the first time I met you, Sean, I think I've told people this. I was super intimidated because I was like, you're very, you're very quiet. And if you don't, I got to know you over shoots, but I remember being like, dude, this guy's serious. Like I'm not, I don't, wow. And then you get on set and you're like one of the hardest working guys on set. Like you're like, I'm like, this guy's like a creative and he's literally doing shit on set. He's like coming up with ideas. He's like getting in there and freaking, remember we were out in big bear yeah. shooting 
the snow. He's like moving the stuff around. Yeah, this is great. I mean, I was like, I remember telling Smitty, like, I've never worked with a guy that is high up and is, but so creative. Dude, Sean is like legit. Like he freaked me out the first time I met him. And then I was like, dude, <laughs> this guy is like, he's on it because you need people like that. Thanks, man. I appreciate no, it. It means a lot. The, the, uh, the agency thing is, is, is brand new and it's really fun. Um, it's an experience every day. I'm actually going to, once I get off the phone with you guys, I've got, you know, some boards I've got to, uh, we're, we're doing some graphics for complex con, some, uh, creating a booth and doing some of that stuff. And that'd be great. Yeah. It's, it's, dude, it's, it's all fun. I don't know if I answered any of those questions, but I, uh, absolutely. No, I mean, this is all great. This is all great stuff. And I mean, crazy inspiring. I mean, if you're not already inspired in the first, you know, 40 (laughs) minutes of this thing, I don't know. Wait till the next hour and 40. (laughs) (laughs) So Gary, the, um, one of the big parts of the the show is uh, literally telling people, um, and Sean usually does this this spiel. So let me try it. it. Well, let me try it once. Okay. So <laughs> if somebody, it. whenever they turn this podcast off, whether it be at night or when they get out of their car, or maybe even in the morning or, or some other time during the day. Anyway, um, what would you tell somebody who wants to? I'm going to phrase it in this way. What would you tell somebody who wants to be a, a content creator um, today? Stop talking about it. Get off your couch. Get off freaking Fortnite and freaking then just freaking do it. The problem is everybody talks about, oh man, I could do this. I should do this. Do it. Like stop talking about it and do it. Like there, look, follow your passion. Everyone's got something they like. I always say the best way to start doing something is like, what do you like? Like, let's say you want to be a photographer. I want to be a photographer. What do I shoot? What do you like? Shoot what you like to shoot because that's where the best photography is going to show up, right? If you want to be a DP, well, that's a bigger process because you better know how to light something. I mean, that's, you can't just like be, oh, I'm a truck driver. I think I want to be a DP. No, that ain't going to work. You need an experience. I think the best way, honestly, today, if I had to do it all over again, because I did everything ass backwards in my entire life. Like I never assisted for anybody. I never, I just grabbed the camera and started shooting my friends skateboarding and snowboard. If you want to do it that way, that's great. If I had to do it all over again, I probably would have been a PA on a set and learn. And like, I've watched my nephew, my nephew came here. I brought him actually, this is an amazing story. I don't know if we have time, but he, uh, little surfer in Virginia beach, 15 years old, my sister's son. I brought him here to the studio many years ago and he wanted to shoot his friend skateboarding and stuff. And I was like, I gave him a camera, a little laptop and a backpack. And I'm like, dude, go shoot, show uncle Gary your shots. If you really want to do this, do that. And he did. And like, dude, I, and like, I remember five years later, he's like, I want to come work with you. I said, okay, well, that's all fun and great, but you need to do a few things. One, save 10,000. Two, you have to have a car. Three, you got to find a place in Quincy where my studio is. You do those three things. I'll give you a job. And I'm like, I'm never going to hear from this kid again. (laughs) Not kidding you later. Two years later, called me up. Uncle G, I'm ready. I got all my stuff. I'm like, what? And he was like, yeah, this, this is, we're talking about three years later now. He's been working with me and every shoot they're like, dude, the hardest working guy on set. He's incredible. He's in shooting He's camera hopping on some, he's like on some of my jobs. He's insane. And he he didn't even know what a C-stand was. Like he came in here, green, Jeff, Max, me, we took him on. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You have to start somewhere. A lot of the young kids today, whether you're a photographer or you're a waiter, everybody kind of slightly feels entitled just because that's the society that we live in today. It's a little hard. I mean, a little easier, right? 
kind of. You have to work. You got to put the time in. Um, get on a set. You know, try to find. Everybody needs a PA. If you're just a a good hard worker, you'll learn stuff yeah. and you'll find the avenue that you'd want to go into. And that's like the best resource that I feel nowadays. Now being a DP and have been in that industry, that's an amazing uh, access. Yeah, that's that, that's really cool. I'm I'm more psyched about. Can I call you? Uncle yeah, G. Yeah, I want to be a PA for you. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yes. <laughs> Uncle G uh, from now on. Meet, yeah, definitely Uncle G. Crazy Uncle G. Crazy Uncle G. That's money. So getting out there, doing it, um, you know, kind of setting some things aside and just kind of immerse yourself in it, be around people, talking about it, watch it. All that stuff feeds into the the mentality of of the commitment, right? What I happens? Think so. And then what do you do? Um, I guess very tactically gearing up what oh yeah like almost let's call it your starter kit right what do you what do you think of the 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 batch of tools is should be in Man, everybody's bag as a beginner it's so funny right now because sony is such a huge deal right like sony came out with their mirrorless you know uh electric viewfinder uh cameras a7r say 7r2s now they have all the other new ones great stuff i mean honestly they're amazing i think they find Whatever camera works for you, because there's so many now. Like back in the day when I was coming, there's like a, you got there was a very slim pickings amount of cameras. I think um, I'm a big Canon guy. I love Canon. I think they make great products. Um, they work well for me. I know them inside and out. There's a lot of shit inside there to know about, like you know autofocus features and all the different things. Whatever sport I'm shooting and the different modes that work for the different sports and it's the ratios or hits to misses of trying to capture action. Like to me, that's important. I always look at like. What's the, how many focusing frames does it have on it? So I can, you know, I can shoot a subject that's far left in the frame, keep that little square on him and focus the entire time, keeping room to the right, because that's where my client needs the tagline to go. Those things are important to me. Um, I like Sony, but Sony, the problem with them is I'm not a big fan of the electric viewfinder because it's not a real representation of what I'm seeing. Mm. And that bothers me, Mm. but it doesn't bother some people. I'm just old school like that. Um, I think lenses are more important. I don't care what camera you have. Get a really, get a just good lenses, fast lenses, lenses that have, you know, that are the fastest lens you can find. If you don't know what fast means, it's, you know, the widest opening, one point, whatever to, you know, there's the, the lowest end of the spectrum on your iris is what you want, but they cost more money. Um, but again, I've seen amazing photography on iPhones. I mean, you have a, a camera with you all the time. And my daughter shows me, dad, look at these pictures I took. I'm like, oh my God, these are amazing. Like, this is incredible. Like, if you can't afford a camera, use your phone. Create, start it that way. Instagram is my favorite thing on the planet right now. Um, I use it all the time. I use it for inspiration. I shop on it. I mean, honestly, I get app ads all the time. I'm like buying stuff. And uh, it gives me inspiration because I see stuff. And, and uh, you know, whether it's something that, you know, inspires me to shoot or to see, I see something I'm lighting. I follow like Ari and red and I follow Quasar and, and different lighting companies. And like, I'll see new gadgets, like, you know, um, shitty rigs or like all these different cool, there's so much good content. I mean, that, let's, yeah. go down, let's go down that, that inspiration, uh, rabbit hole a little bit. And if Instagram is the first stop, what are the two to three accounts a beginner should be follow right now. Me. <laughs> no brainer. No brainer. Man, that's a good one. I don't, whew, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, there's man, 
You said I would, camera companies because they're featuring photographers yeah, doing I mean, great shit on their stuff. So I would follow Canon. I would follow like, you know, just do searches, type in the words like landscape photography or portrait photography, things that you're, that mean something to you. And there'll be a slew of people and just start following because you're going to every second you'll get a new image that pops up that you can look at and go, Oh, that's really cool. That place is really cool. The why wow, that lens, what lens did they use? And then you actually, not only are you seeing that, but you could literally DM the guy who took it and be like, Hey, can I ask you what lens you use? I mean, think about that's crazy. That's crazy. How do you feel about that? That cold DM? I do it. I do it all the time. People call me all, I have people DM me all the time. You're the, you're the second guest that's, that's sworn by that. And, and, and just believes awesome. you shouldn't feel bad about doing it. I no, I do it all the time. I even, and the funny thing is I'll D I'll DM people that are like super celebrity people. And like, it bones me out. They don't get back to me. So then like when people DM me, I'm like, I got to get back to them. Cause I'm going to be the same jerk that somebody else didn't do for me. <laughs> yeah. It's that's, uh, that's a good insight. Yeah. I think but, uh, Gary, it's really, really interesting what you just said about Instagram. Cause I think that, um, Maybe not as much now, but when it first started becoming really popular, I, I, there were photographers who were like, oh, now everyone's a photographer. You know, it was yeah, almost like yeah. just really talking down about it. But to hear a real uh, seasoned and well-known photographer say that he's inspired by what's out there, I think really um, gives people a, a window into your attitude and mm -hmm. the way you think about um, becoming more creative and imaginative. So, yeah. um I think, I think that keeps true. you fresh though, yeah. too. That's what keeps you your edge, man. Like that's how you keep going. I love Instagram. And like, I see people that, you know, I know that are like amateur photographers that have hundreds of thousands of followers and like, and then here, and then I, I feel like I have a lot of content and I've been doing it for a long time. And I, I just, I'm excited. Oh my God, I just reached 10.5 thousand followers. It's amazing. Like I get excited about that stuff. I know it's not a lot, but do I, should I care? I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. No. I mean, yes, I, it's weird. Like, will I be excited if all of a sudden I get 20,000? I'm like, yeah, of course. That's a cool thing. But like, I don't, I don't know how you really like, I don't know what that really means. You know? Right. I mean, right. in another way to look at it, I spend so much money on promos, right? Like I've, I've done two magazines. Each magazine cost me what? $14,000 to produce. And then I have to send it out and I send out about 3000 of them. And they're pretty nice little perfect bound books that just goes through the year of what I've shot, my favorite shots of the year. And I send those out. I, do I ever really know if I'm getting a return on that? No one's like, Hey man, got the magazine. Wow. That was incredible. I want to hire you for a job. It doesn't, that doesn't really happen. But do I stop doing it? Cause I'm not receiving that. I'm like, no, I got to keep going, keep grinding. Um, so it's, it's nice every once in a while when you get like a DM from someone or like someone sees something they're like, dude, I'm such a big fan. Oh my God. I, you know, I love, I've loved your work. I'm like, it's kind of weird. I still kind of blush. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's kind of cool. Like, so it's like when you walk, like when you're driving by and you see a shot on a billboard and people will ask me like, how does that feel? Does it still feel the same way it did in the beginning? It doesn't feel the same way it did in the beginning. Cause I couldn't freaking believe it in the beginning, but now it's just like, it's kind of, you got that, you get that moment where you're like, all right, I still got it. All right, I'm still, I'm still doing Definitely. it. You know? There's still that layer. I think as a creative man, seeing your stuff in the wild and, and seeing it getting just produced. And that, that's at the end of the day, I think that's still why we do it. We, there's, there's mm -hmm. a part of us that does like that little bit of uh pride and recognition, you know, whether we like to of admit course. it or not, you know, it's it, I, the reason I got into this because, you know, and I didn't go into like being an account guy or anything is because I like, 
a tangible end product at the end of the day. I like going home and saying, look, dude, I spent my day doing this and here's what I made, you know, and, and, and having that output at the end of a long process. Whereas like, I don't know, I think being an account person is a little thankless in that way. <laughs> you don't have that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Gary, about uh, a couple minutes ago, you talked about iPhone, right? And mm-hmm. yeah. seeing amazing shots that your daughter has taken. And so the the evolution of photography over the last 5, 10, 15 years has been really, I think, probably unbelievable from any any person's aspect um, or point of view. How do you see the future shaping up in terms of particularly photographer? Dumbing it down. It's going down again. Mm. Literally, I'm seeing this crazy trend right now of film cameras being bought. Like, as I trust me, I'm online all the time. I have a lot of call. I collect a lot of stuff and I'm like on these like forums and sites and, and like, I just bought a contacts T3 the other day and it costs, it costs triple the amount it did when I bought one originally Hmm. back in the day. And I'm seeing all these guys getting paid tons of money to shoot film again and really screwing it up. Like the stuff I used to love, like burnouts or like, you know, lens flares or like, so I think there's this really super fine art thing that's happening right now where people want to start shooting a lot more film. We don't care if it's perfect. It's got to be imperfect. It's too sharp. There's that happening right now. Wow. And I mean, it's been happening for a while, but it's really starting to happen. Um, every, every company I talk to now is like, okay, uh, can we shoot film? I'm like, okay, well, yes, but here's what's going to happen. You're not going to see it instantly. You can't sign off on it. I'll right. show you a Polaroid maybe. And uh, that's a new way you have to teach the client. So I'm not sure where it's going to go, but it's definitely, I'm seeing it now. Like I'm seeing it a little bit more now. So I don't, like you said, Hey, where's it going to go? Is it, you know, we're shooting an 8k now. And like, I mean, obviously I have, I own two red heliums and I'm shooting that, you know, 8k, 6k. Um, and we always dumb it down at the end of the day, we edit and then we send it back to 1080 or 2k. And that's just what it is. So like it's now it's about, having servers that can store all this data. Cause I'm shooting half the time at slow frame rates. You know, you got 120 frames at 8k. That's we're talking about some serious wow. uh, storage. Yeah. At least you can crop in on those. You, Oh, that's the great part. <laughs> oh my God. Jump cuts. Like, Oh, yeah. that was great. Right. I got three shots out of that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just put us at a place in time. It's um, October, 2018. Cause you know, people are going to be listening to this podcast for the next 10 or 15 years. If things go the well, as well it's as we probably think they going will. in some sort of time capsule, I would imagine. What is <laughs> your prediction for the Celtics this year? Wow. The Celtics, my dogs, dude, I'm wait, wait, honest- before you answer. Yeah. You want Philly Philly? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I okay. think honest, I think honestly, I think the Celtics can go all the way. I think they'll win the East, but I think, I don't know, man. Um, I am hopeful. I'm realistic too at the same time. They have a great team. They have an amazing team. They really do. They have this thick bench. I love their coach. Like they've got a lot of things good going on. They need to stay healthy. If they stay healthy, they'll be right there to the end. I'm with it. I think they're going to the finals and, and then they're losing, but they're going there. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, I mean, it could totally go that way. I think, um, the team to beat obviously is golden state. Um, and you know what? I, I wouldn't have said that without the addition of KD. Cause I think he was that he was like, you know, building a puzzle, right? Those people like want to build a puzzle and hang it on their wall. Like, well, if you don't have a glue, that puzzle is going to fall apart. Right? right. He's, 
he was that added element that was like, oh my god! I mean, you ju- you had already all the pieces, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and all these guys, you know, and now with um, what's his face also, um, was the other guy, dude. They're insane. I mean, but it's it makes for good TV. It makes for a great. I think LeBron going to LA was the greatest thing ever because now there's this more drama, you know. Any of those guys on tap to shoot soon? Man, no. It's weird. Like I, you know, dude, I don't know what's going on. It's weird. It's a weird time right now. Yeah. Um, I'm shooting a lot of golf. I would love to do more basketball stuff. I would love to do more, you know, running. I, I don't know, man. I'm all over the place. But I know no big names uh like that right now um i think a lot of it's weird you see a lot of you know people going in-house or you know i have a lot of friends that work for nike and they're always you know they're nike through and through like Mm -hmm. you know one of our guys marcus smith he shoots a ton of nike stuff he was a guy that worked for me for four years and he's super successful like he's got a style he's doing and like it's so good to see him he was just here actually i'm going to have dinner with him tonight he's in town shooting Kyrie for nike from marcus smith once or twice yeah, he's a good dude, yeah. man. But like I said, you have your slow times. You have your times when you're busy. It's like what you do in your slow times is what sets you apart from everybody else. Remember that because mm-hmm. it is true. We're all going to be slow. You're all, everyone's going to have times where you're like, dude, I'm not crushing it like I was a month ago or two months ago. And you have to say, okay, what do I do? Okay, well, I've got a bit, you know, let's clean up the studio. I got to, you know, edit more shots or like go look through stuff that you, you know, there's a ton. Go shoot more stuff. Do a podcast. Yeah, do a podcast. <laughs> did you guys see the stuff I did with the Promised Land with the gut taking the hoop out in the middle of the? Oh yeah, yeah we it was did. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was just a. Re- I literally came up with that on a on a on like a Tuesday, and we left on a Friday. Hey, that's so how. That's funny. I mean, it's funny. I wanted to. I wanted to tack this on the back of the the creative how, but like when you're concepting, are you, are you man? You drawn in a notebook? You got a notebook? What is your? Oh, I know. What do you got? Uh, what do you got on the bedside? Man. It's literally just a lot of comp stuff on the computer. Like I'll pull references. Um, I got, I had Max and Jeff like, all right, Max, I need you to pull locations. I want you to look all over the Midwest. Da, 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 da. Jeff, I need you to look up um, portable basketball things. We're going to fly into you. I mean, like, I need to know how we're going to do that. And then we started narrowing down. Hey, we could go to Utah. We could go here. We go here. Okay. Well, let's go to Utah. Do more research on Utah. Where do we fly into? Where's the quickest place to get a basketball net? Da, 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 da. I did research because of Instagram. I follow this kid, Dexton Thor, and I re- I DM'd him, hey man, love your shit. I have this idea for a photo for a shoot. Would you be interested? Here's my number. Calls me up. I talked to him. I told him what I want to do. He loved the idea. I flew him out there. We spent like a week traveling on the road. And it was just so fun. That was so fun. Like not, just yeah, the experience. Like just the experience, you know? And I that reached you? It really did. Yeah. Yeah, it did. You know, and I mean, put out a little cool piece and, you know, had some cool print and, um, I want to do more things like that. You know, I want to do more things that are just different. Yeah. You know, the film was epic. I mean, the, that was the, the fun. Little, yeah. All right. So now we're on to movies, huh? That's the next, next big thing. That's what I would like to do. Yeah. I mean, I've worked pretty hard to get there i mean i know it's a big big step and um you got to have your shit together and uh i i know if 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 i don't at least do one big picture i'll always wonder how why why didn't i do that (laughs) i feel like i want to do it i think it'd be great and um it's funny and i always hear i really take pride and i'll work on a lot of pretty big productions right and i'm working with i mean 
steady cam ops that are like legend Mel Gibson steady cam. I mean, people that are like pretty high up. And I always hear back like, dude, you are the fucking nicest director I've ever worked with in my life. I literally like you're almost too nice. Like, you know, I like, you would like do so well in the movie business. Cause there's so many dicks out there that just like <laughs> people can't stand working with. And, and I think if you long, if you have a vision, like, and as nice as you are, I think you do really well. And I'm like, I always like, Oh yeah, whatever. But I hear it all the time. It's kind of weird. So I don't know. I think it would just be really, really fun. And it's the experience, honestly, that's just, that's just the one thing missing right now from, from my, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, quiver of experience or my we need to nail down a, a director for creative how of an of, <laughs> hollywood director so you can benefit we'll send it you right worked, to you you've worked with some big ass names too man berg and all those i mean it's crazy i love yeah. seeing yeah you know and and it's it's funny that those sets when you get down to it it's a lot of people but it doesn't run that much different than your set yeah it's just I don't know. I get to watch the films and then I get to have this crazy, I mean, I love going to movies. I love, yeah, I don't, I don't care. If it, I don't care if it's a bad movie or a good movie. I still, gonna, as soon as like, that movie sucked, I'm like, I got to see for myself. Like actually, I want, yeah, I am too. Somebody told me that, uh, bad times at the El Royale is not very good. I still want to see it. <laughs> I still want to see it tonight. Yeah. There is some really? cheesy ass Netflix movies that are still shot. Amazing. Yeah, I know. Like oh, the photography. Oh. And that's what I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm unfortunately Gary guys like you have ruined me where I'm breaking down the lighting package when I'm watching <laughs> these sons of bitches. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes me out of it a little bit, but that cut that part's kind of fun though. It's just, it's just a whole different level of work. You know, and like Smitty tells me he's worked on a ton of movies. He's like, dude, yeah. it's a lot of days and people get super grumpy. It's like rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat every day for mm. like, months um nah, but I, I'm, with the helm, dude. I, I want it i want to do it i want to do it well, like, if i had to put my money on somebody getting it done i would put it on you i agree well, this is going to be fun this is going to be fun to watch man as always we're going to be your biggest cheerleaders down here uh for well, sure i appreciate it man i appreciate it so gary we, this is a pretty standard one if people want to see your stuff where do they go uh social.com all that stuff yeah so my website's uh, garyland.com like maryland.com but Maryland. with a g <laughs> and then uh at garyland is my instagram those are the two best ways to uh to get in touch with me and again like i am one of those guys that have you reached out to me uh you know as a contact page on my website if you just wanted to if you're a student or an aspiring photographer or director and you just want to ask a question i will do my best to get back to you i feel like we should put a code in this <laughs> and that they only get access yeah, to Gary DM backslash they, yeah, 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 something like that. Heard via Creative Hal, and we can kind of track that. We're not there but, yet. No, someday. <laughs> Thank you so much, my man. Man, my pleasure, man. You guys love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. I can't wait to see what else. Who else you guys interview? Thanks, this is great. You're, you're gonna help. You're gonna help springboard us. I appreciate it, man. It's my pleasure. Celebrity on this one. Oh, come on. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, thanks again. I uh, look forward to seeing you guys. At some point, I have to grab a beer or something. All right, of man. course, of course. All right. Take care. Good. Yeah, you too, man. That was a whirlwind and a walk down memory lane with a guy who is continuing to evolve in his career and his dreams. That's right. He's not done yet. Like we did this creative how, and this is a moment in time for Gary. 
he, you heard he's on to this next thing, trying to be a filmmaker. So it's super inspiring just to feel the energy and to talk to him, man. So please everyone check out the show notes at creativehowpodcast.com. And as always, you should be following us on social at uh, Instagram, Twitter at creative how pod. Hey, Jed, did you hear our kick-ass intro music? Shockingly, that's out of our technical wheelhouse here at Creative How. That type of sick sound design is a White Noise Lab original. White Noise Lab is a music composition and sound design studio that works with agencies, production companies, and brands on projects for film, broadcasts, interactive websites, corporate videos, video games, and experimental projects. The chances that that movie trailer you just saw on, you know, YouTube that's probably a white noise lab original more often than not. So whether you're looking to fulfill your sound design needs or simply need someone to collaborate with on an experimental project or maybe an experimental podcast, check out whitenoiselab.com. That's whitenoiselab.com.